Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast, where we dive deep into the timeless truths of the Bible. My name is Jake, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be your host. In each of these episodes, we'll unpack the richness of the scriptures, exploring how its teachings can bring new life and meaning to our everyday existence. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, and uplifted as we navigate the profound wisdom of the Bible together. This is a place where faith meets daily life. This is New Life Church. Luke 15 is a favorite passage of mine. Probably the favorite passage um, for me personally in the entire Bible. Luke 15 talks about three stories. A lost coin, a lost son, and a lost sheep. And some of you... uh, you know that pretty well, and for me, as it is my favorite, um, the one that I have focused on the least is all, has always been the lost coin. It's, uh, it's the middle child of the passage. The middle children said amen. <laughs> it is the middle child, and it is a, uh, it's very short. It's just two verses kind of sandwiched between what might be considered the greater narrative of the sheep that was lost and the shepherd who left the 99 in the fold to go and Retrieve it and bring it home. Now, certainly the story, the whole passage culminates in a lost son, the prodigal son, who will go far and then come back and be met by the father. We know that one. But as the Holy Spirit began to deal with me, um, the the, the middle passage is what I want to talk about today. And these stories, they they do differ sharply. And the middle one, the, the story of this woman who has lost one out of ten coins it differs very sharply from the others. And I'll tell you why. Because in Luke 15, the son goes to a faraway land, volitionally of his own accord. And the sheep leaves the pasture, he leaves the area, and he goes far away and has to be tracked down by the shepherd. But the coin never leaves the house. And so it became apparent to me that you can be lost, you can be disconnected, you can be aside, you can be in a different space while you're still yet in the house. But I want to say something else very important, that there's room for a lot of grace in this passage on all sides because it is the son who chooses to go, it is the sheep who goes his own way. Uh, But honestly, now hear me, when it's the coin... The coin's mishandled by the people in the house. And so in beginning this message, I have to check myself and say, have I ever mishandled people who were in the house, coins that were in the house? Have I? Have you? Have we? Have we missed it? Have we not loved? Have we not supported? Have we not been there for? Have we not kept an eye on? Those who were in the house, because this one, he never really, this, this, or, you know, this coin, it never really removed itself, but it, it just became lost in the shuffle. It became lost. It became disconnected. The truth of which is it became disconnected. And, and while we could blame the coin, I think that's not really the point of the text. I think the point of the text is that sometimes those who are in the house, starting with me, sometimes there's a degree of on us. 
Ness in the scripture. There's a degree of, uh, of culpability because I've not always handled everything right. I've not always done my best and done my part to love people. And sometimes the disconnection's on the sheep, sometimes the disconnection's on the son, and sometimes the disconnection's not on the coin, but it's on the person who was in the house and then saw and then realized that there was a disconnection and now it was on them to care. And so today, I care. We care. And we're culpable sometimes because we're not perfect. No one is. But as a body, we love every coin. Every coin is more valuable than you knew before I started this message, I guarantee it. Every part is of immense value. And we're not the same without every part. The Holy Ghost spoke to me in this in the privacy of my own headspace, in the privacy of my own heart space, to bring forth this word today. And I'll do it. Luke 15, 8 through 10. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I lost. Somebody said the peace, the peace which I lost. That's weird, <clears throat> that, 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 that's weird verbiage when we're talking about money. How many people know anything about money, right? You, you don't say, when, if you were to have $10 uh, and then you were, uh, Gregor, if you were to lost $1 out of your 10, you have $10 bills, you lost one. What would you say you lost if you lost one? You'd say, I lost a dollar. You didn't say, I lost a piece of my $10. That would be weird. And you might actually do that now that I think of it, but, but you shouldn't. No, I'm kidding. You say, I, I, lost, I lost a piece of my money, of my, of my hoard, of my treasure trove. That, that, that wouldn't really, we're missing something in the text, right? Because that's what she said. She said, rejoice with me for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. She does not say, I found the coin. I found the drachma, which is the word there. You know, the, the Greek word for the coinage. <clears throat> if you had $10 and you lost one, you wouldn't say, I'm looking for that piece of 10 because each dollar's value is defined within itself, right? It's not defined as a greater part of 10. It's its, its own thing. So we're missing something there. She said the piece. A piece of something is defined as a portion of an object or material produced by cutting, tearing, or breaking the whole. A piece, right? The, 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 sum, the sum is only complete whenever it is, or the, the value is only there whenever it's complete, right? It's an interesting turn of phrase, and we will come back to it. <clears throat> now, I want to mention something about this woman in, in the text. She does not have to look far, but she does have to look hard. She doesn't have to look far. She doesn't have to go to a far country. She doesn't have to go to the fields or to a cave or to, to, she doesn't have to go anywhere, but she does have to look hard where she is. And the first thing, and I want to break it down into a few different steps. This may be a shorter message. It'd be all right if it was, as long as it was what God wanted us to hear. 
The first, there's a three-step process that is outlined by this woman, <clears throat> what she does to, uh, um, to, to take care of this problem. She realizes that she's missing one piece, and it freaks her out for a reason that is yet undisclosed in this message, in this sermon, uh, but she, she desperately begins to look and to search, and so the first thing that the Word of God teaches us uh, that she does in this effort is to illuminate the space. Before anything else, before, before blindly you know, searching around, before digging, before assuming it's been stolen, before placing blame, before anything else, she said, what I need right now before I do anything else and I make any other effort, I need to bring clarity, I need to bring illumination, I need to bring truth to the space. I need to light it up. I need to see things as they are in order for me to do what I need to do and know what I need to do and, and, and to bring clarity. Now, why do we keep the lights off? Because we don't want to see. Yeah. Why do we like to turn off? Why do we, why, why do we like to sleep in the dark? Why is it that I get in trouble every time that I'm bumbling around with lights on and Polly's trying to put Judah down? Because he's content as long as he cannot see. Because if he sees, then one of the five words that he has yet ascertained will come into place. He'll find something. He'll make it up. There may not be a ball, but there may be a circle. There, there may be a light fixture that he can say, ball, ball, ball. He'll figure out a way to talk about something. He'll figure out, if he can see anything, he will be distracted. Now, whenever it's nice and pitch black and dark, he'll take his bottle and he will go to sleep. But whenever the lights come on and we begin to see, and a lot of times we don't want him to see because we want him to sleep. Now, there are times when we don't want to see things, right? Because whenever the Holy Spirit begins to work in hearts and lives, whenever he begins to shine his light in me and Joe Parker's life, sometimes I would rather dim the lights a bit uh, rather than deal with some of the stuff that truth and the illumination of God's word and his Holy Spirit brings. Now I have to deal with it. When it was dark, I didn't. When it, when it was dark, it was his fault, when it was dark, I didn't, have to, I didn't have no culpability. When it was dark, he was just being mean to me. But whenever the Holy Ghost turned the light on and started showing that me, I had things that I needed to take care of. I had culpability. I was making mistakes. <clears throat> now I can't just sit there. Now I have responsibility to deal with the things in the light that I could sleep past in the dark. Wow. Now, she doesn't want it dark anymore, though, because she's lost something. Yeah. It might have been comfortable in the dark. You know what she couldn't see in the dark? Is the dust and the dirt. So no wonder she didn't have no lamps on. It's easier sometimes, right? It's, hey, Matt, come on. How, oh, God help us. How many of you got rooms you don't want to go in? Right? You got, you got, you got a room that you don't want to go in, and, and no one else can. You don't want to, and no one else on pain of death will. Right? We got, we got spaces there. We don't go, we don't go up there. That's our, that's our storage area. Hallelujah. You know, that's, that's, a, you know, that's our, uh, what do they call it in construction? Something that, you know, they leave unfinished on purpose. That's probably very close to the definition within the question. But yeah, there, there's, I'm learning this. There's a terminology for, uh, you know, designated unfinished spaces. So we have in our lives sometimes designated unfinished spaces. Who can go in there? And don't shine the light. And this woman, that's, that's, you know, I think that's maybe part of the reason why she doesn't have the lamp on. 
because there's some stuff in there that she knows she's gonna have to deal with and she's gonna have to sweep. And the Bible says clearly that she does. She, she, as soon as the lights go on, that's the first step. Illumination. <clears throat> Let me tell you. And this is some prescriptive stuff right here, my friend. You wanna break through in your marriage, in your relationship? You're gonna have to look at stuff and deal with it. That'll be the first step. You're going to have to take a hard look and turn the lights on. And the thing is, you can't turn the lights on in somebody else's house. You can only turn the lights on in yours. You know, we wish we could, we wish we could just reach right into, into my, you know, my husband or my wife or my friend and just, and then just bring that thing up to 11 and say, look at all the mess. Look at all your problems. But the thing is, you don't touch that. You don't control that. The only thing I control is turning the lights up in my own. Me, my problems. Joe's problems, like you know, all that, that's the only, that's the only uh, light switch that I have my hand on and I'm allowed to have my hand on is my own stuff. But if I really want to see God move, I really want to see breakthrough, I want to see restoration, then I'm going to do what she did volitionally because it was worth it to her to go and find that which was lost and connect to what was unconnected. It was worth it to her to turn her own light up and see the things that she was going to have to clean, the things that she was going to have to deal with in her own self. It was worth it. And let me tell you, we have to come to a place in our own lives where that is worth it to me. I know, God, that you're working on me. God, I know that you're stepping on my toes. I know I'm not right in all these areas. And I like to kind of keep the lights low a little bit. And then I just can look at somebody else's problem. I can look at somebody else's room, somebody else's dirt and dust. But whenever I have something that I need to get reconnected to, and I'm losing something, I'm not complete. I'm not where I need to be. God, turn up the lights in my life and I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to expose myself to your truth in me, even though it may cost me. I guarantee it's going to cost me. Anytime you let the Holy Ghost take a good look inside, no matter who you are, no matter how holy, no matter how smart, no matter how put together, when you turn up the lights, God will have something to say in every one of us. Amen? Amen. And we can only look it to ourselves. <clears throat> when we want breakthrough spiritually, we have to look at what God is trying to show us. Amen. <clears throat> I tell you what, let me, let, me, let me speak candidly to you. I'm a spirit-filled pastor, and I've been in ministry a while, but I have seen so many fake breakthroughs where the person went right back out into the same bondage they came in under. And it felt good. They would go to the altar and boo-hooed and cried and danced and shouted and twirled and everything. Oh, man, and just said it was a great testimony at the end, too, and we all were on the team. But the thing is, they didn't turn the lights on, really. They felt better. They had an emotional reaction <clears throat> and they prayed off all that conviction, but without illumination and obedience. See, emotions don't lead to breakthrough. Obedience does. Because right. then you can break through and you can stay through. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't shout your way into a breakthrough. And it never works. I've seen, oh, I've seen it so many times. You can shout your way. Once you have a breakthrough, you can shout and celebrate. That's great. But you obey your way into a breakthrough. That's a fact. Amen. Because he requires obedience rather than sacrifice. You want to break out of that bondage, out of that death spiral you've been living in? The Holy Spirit will absolutely shine the light, but only you can open your eyes. One of my favorite Navajo proverbs. <clears throat> you cannot wake a person who's pretending to be asleep. You can't wake up people who are pretending. So I have to quit pretending that I'm perfect. I have to quit pretending that I'm because nobody can wake me up. Amen. And I need this message. Amen.
Second, she sweeps the house. <clears throat> a lot of times in our lives, we find ourselves searching for something. And the problem is not that what we really want is absent. It's not that it's not there. The problem is that other things are there too. That other things are present. You know, say, oh, I just, I, I can't, I don't, I'm not feeling, I don't feel, I know maybe it's not so much that the good is not there, it's just that other things are covering it up, right? The presence of other things can poison the good. And that changes the whole problem, right? See, because then my issue is not my lack of good, it's that there's a lot of bad that I've allowed to creep in and strangle it out. It's very easy to conflate these things. But if we remove the things that shouldn't be there, it may well be that the things that you thought were lost were there all along. So now that's very particular stuff, right? But as the Holy Spirit directs and, and encourages us, um, <clears throat> let, let God work on you today. Amen? Amen. Now I want to I wanna move to the last and most important part of this message, the value of connectivity. The value of connectivity. And I want you to rewire your brain in the text here because <clears throat> up till now, we've called it the lost coin. You know, the coin that was, couldn't find it, didn't know where it was. It, was, it was lost. But there's something more important within the text in that it's disconnected. Disconnected to what? Disconnected to the other nine. The value of connectivity. And Jesus is quite aware in this passage of what he's talking about and the ramifications of what he's saying. And I'm going to give us a little bit of a look into the scripture and into the cultural context. See, the 10th coin mattered a lot. You know why the 10th coin mattered a lot? It mattered more than the 11th or the 12th or the 13th. The reason why she is so desperate to find the 10th coin is because it's part of a greater whole. See, we, we, we don't understand this, but in those days, culturally, a married woman would wear a necklace or a garland of 10 coins on it. Now, this is, this is a right exclusively for a married woman. And it was something that, the, that a young woman would scrimp and save, and she had, to, she had to come up with it herself. It was a very important thing. The drachma, we, a lot, every time that people read the scripture and preach about it, they talk about how important it was. It was worth a day's wages, or it was worth more than that. Or, or, and, and they conflate monetary value individually for each coin, but that's not what this is. This is the 10th coin. This is the missing piece of a greater necklace, of a greater piece of unity with way more worth than any one coin or any hundred coins because to her, this was covenant. This was important. This was connectivity. This was something that meant that she was married. It meant that you know, there were a ton of reasons why this was so important. For a young woman who had this, that was the one thing in law that she truly, truly owned. The husband had no legal right to ever take that from her under pain of law. Even creditors, even if she declared bankruptcy, you know, even the tax collectors, if they came to her, the one thing they could not, they could take somebody's house as creditors, they could take somebody's, uh, you know, somebody's uh, possessions and the pots and the pans, they could take anything they wanted to, they could not take this necklace. Under law, it was hers and hers alone. It was a safety net type of thing within the society because as long as she had that, she had some options. As long as she had that, she had some value, some worth, and she, you know, she was safe. She had always that, and it was a covenant sign. 
that she was in relationship with her husband. So when she loses this, it's not like losing the 11th, which would have just been loose on the ground and it wouldn't have mattered. It was the fact that this is a covenant thing. It was important. And the truth is that when a peace absence, it devalues the whole body because that peace is of incredible value, not just to itself, but what it means to the rest. It's that way in the body of Christ. The value is not just in the one, but the value is what it means to everyone else too. Because for all of us, when we love one another in unity, we're never okay unless we're all okay. And that's the word of God. As we close today's episode, let's bring our focus to the heart of unity within the church family. In John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus emphasizes the profound impact of our love for one another as a distinguishing mark of Christianity. It's a call to be more than a collection of individuals. It's a call to be a united, loving body of Christ. Just like the lost coin in Luke 15, in the body of Christ, each member is more than an individual. We are interconnected, and the disconnection of one member affects the whole. This lesson goes beyond just a lost coin. It speaks to the importance of unity and the responsibility within the church family to care for the church. So as we go through this week, let's be mindful of the connections we have and the impact we make on one another. Just as the woman in the story diligently searched for the lost coin, may we actively seek and nurture the bonds that make us a unified and vibrant church body. And remember, we're not okay unless we're all okay. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the New Life Church Podcast. We are truly grateful for each and every one of our listeners, so thank you. For a full transcription of today's sermon and more resources, head over to our website at newlifechurchspringfield.com. I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. Until then, stay connected, stay inspired, and God bless. See you next time.